Hello, and welcome to the Love Your Work Life podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Shuck. Whether you're going for that next promotion, looking for a job, or making a career pivot, I'll teach you how to navigate it all so you can have the career you want. This is Love Your Work Life, episode 114. I had a really fascinating conversation with a a client the other day. This was a client from a couple of years ago, and he just reached out and said, hey, I'd love to chat with you about something that's happening at work. So we did a virtual coffee, and he actually even said, I was kind of hoping you'd do a podcast episode on this, but since I haven't heard it yet, is it okay if we talk? And so we did, and it was so awesome. And at the end of the conversation, um, he actually said, I'd still love you to do a podcast episode on this topic. So that was the inspiration for this. And I'm so glad that we had the conversation, and it got me thinking about so many things. You know, the podcast is called Love Your Work Life, and it's that title for a reason, because at some level, that's what we are all wanting, right? We have a relationship, so to speak, with our jobs. And we want to love it. We want it to be fulfilling. We want it to be joyful. We want to have impact and make contributions. But we also want something in return for that. We want to feel heard. We want to um, have opportunities. We want to grow. And we want our jobs, our workplaces, our companies to participate in the health of the relationship. So the topic we were discussing is, what if you disagree with a policy or the direction the company is going, or some cultural element of your workplace. How do you handle it? How do you decide if it's something you want to live with? When does it make sense to be vocal about it? And if you do decide to be vocal, how do you do that? What's your messaging? What do you say? How do you do it without offending people or alienating people, but still being full of integrity about what you see and what you want to call out in terms of making things better for yourself and your team and the maybe even the entire company. So we talked about a few concepts that I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. If you are having negative emotions about your work experience, if you are feeling turmoil or disappointment, discouragement, or even feeling deflated, it's because of thoughts you are having about workplace circumstances, the situations, the things going on there. Your thoughts about those things are creating feelings, feelings that don't feel good, feelings that, you know, oftentimes result in the Sunday scaries, like I don't even want to face it anymore. 
or a person that you're going to encounter. You are having thoughts about that person and it's making you feel a certain way. And because you're feeling a certain way, your behavior, your actions in the workplace are also being affected. So if you are doing that, I want you to notice it. I want you to pay attention to how you're feeling and reverse engineer that back to thoughts you are having. What you're thinking about what's wrong is what you will see. You will not see the positives. You will not see what's going right unless you decide to focus on what's going right. If you're focused on what's going wrong, that's what you'll see. And the reason is because our brain loves harmony. It's wired for harmony between our thoughts and our outward reality. And it doesn't discriminate between good, I'm using air quotes, good thoughts and bad thoughts. It just says, oh, you're thinking that? I'll show you that. That's just brain physiology. So what I want you to do, if you notice that the majority of your thoughts about your workplace, the policies, the people, the culture, any of that stuff, if your thoughts about it are mostly negative, your experience will be uncomfortable. From uncomfortable to suffering. You might even be suffering. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to give equal air time. That means if you're going to spend 10 minutes thinking about the things you wish were different because it doesn't feel fair or whatever it is, right? Whatever you would like to be different and your time spent thinking about the things that you wish were different Give equal air time to the things that are working, to the things that are okay. Get to a 50-50 in your thought life about work. Because I guarantee if you look for positives, you will find them. Because it's your brain's job to help you find the things that you are focusing on and make your inward and outward realities match. Start there. That could change your whole experience of work. And at least at 50-50, you'll be neutral. You'll be functional. Um, You'll be able to even maybe move towards possibilities of how you can start to influence the way things are going, the what's happening. But you've got to go equal airtime to at least get to neutral. As you do that, you are giving your brain space to be more logical and rational and have better critical thinking around that workplace disagreement or that workplace misalignment. The second thing I want you to consider is um, a concept that I learned from my coach, Brooke Castillo. And this is that in relationships, she talks about it as it 
relates to personal relationships. But when I listened to her teaching on this, I had a big aha moment about how applicable this is to work relationships, both the people and our relationship that contract, if you will, with our jobs, with our workplace, with our companies. And that is, are you expecting the workplace, the job, the even down to the people inside that job to create positive experiences for you? Are you setting an expectation that this job is going to make you happy? Are you setting an expectation that this other person, the company policies, your boss, your team is responsible for how you feel? When you are thinking that other people's behaviors, other people's actions, and even the, even the company culture overall. And I always say there's, there's macro cultures. So there's like the big company culture that, you know, everyone's kind of aware of because it's usually a mission statement or something like that. There's the macro, but there's also the micro. It doesn't really matter what size the company is. Obviously, if it's a large company, there could be lots of micro cultures created um, through the actions, behaviors, attitudes of the middle managers and the individual contributors on those teams. When you are putting your happiness in other people's hands, when you are thinking that other people's behavior creates your feelings you start writing an operating manual for how you would like them to behave in order for you to be happy. That's what Brooke calls it, an operating manual. And most of the time, we've got these manuals and they're at a very unconscious level. We're not really even aware that we have an operating manual for these things need to happen in order for me to be happy. And when they're not happening, I'm not happy. So after equal airtime, after you're kind of saying, okay, I'm going to at least get to neutral, start paying attention to any operating manuals that you might have for the company, for your boss, for your team. Are you depending on something they're doing to give you that workplace joy? And write out those manuals really spend some time understanding if you have a manual that is causing you unnecessary grief and suffering. It's so important to understand that. But of course, you can share your manual. I'd really like to have a hybrid workplace. I'd really like to have a day where I have no meetings scheduled. I can just be 100% focused on catching up, on innovating. Yes, you can share the things that you have in your manual, but you can't control whether they are going to do those things. You can ask. 
but you can't control their behavior. You can request unlimited PTO, but you can't control whether the company is going to change their policy around that. What you can control is, am I going to hang my work happiness on whether or not I have unlimited PTO? Your workplace happiness is within your control because of the thoughts you have around that policy. Release coworkers, release your boss, even release your company from the operating manuals you have for them. It doesn't mean that you shut down and you just accept everything. You can share. You can offer up, hey, I'd love it if we could do it this way. But you must decide for yourself if they don't do it, whether that's something that you can live with. All right. Now, sometimes we need to adjust our expectations in a relationship. Another personal relationship concept that I learned years and years ago popped into my head when I was having this conversation with my client, and I feel like it's so valuable, and it's this. We must align or parallel our expectations, desires, matches, if you will, to what the other person, or in this case, the organization, the team, the boss, to what are they capable of? What is their capacity? What resources do they have? And what is their desire for change? When we're talking about this in terms of personal relationships, your partner, as an example, may have a different level of commitment or investment in the relationship than you do. That means you need to decide whether or not you can live with that level of commitment. Applied to a work relationship, as you're thinking about aligning your expectations or having parallel expectations within the workplace, there are some things that you can do to help move things forward and to help you decide if that is going to work for you. The first thing is communication. Of course, talk about the differences in expectation. Talk about your desires. Talk about your concerns. Be willing to share. That's what I that's a little bit of what I was saying with regards to the operating manual. You don't have to keep quiet. They're not mind readers, my friends. The people in our personal relationships aren't mind readers and neither is your boss. So communicate your expectations, desires, concerns you have about what's going on. The next one is self-reflection. Why are you in this relationship? Why are you doing that job? Why do you work for that company? Understand your motivations for being there. Have they changed? What motivated you to accept the job may not be the motivation to stay in the job. So reflect on you, on what's changed, what hasn't changed, and look for the misalignments as well as the alignments 
and evaluate that for yourself. The next thing is about understanding the capacity in personal relationships, we might call it boundaries. I think in a workplace, it's about understanding the capacity the team, boss, or company has for meeting your expectations. Because pressuring someone or trying to coerce the company to rise to your expectation rarely works. It's like expecting them to operate the way you want them to if they don't have the capacity, if they don't have the budget, if there are things behind the scenes, like even legal requirements that you're not aware of that are preventing them from doing the things that you want them to do, it's important to understand those capacities. And that's why communicating about your wants, needs, desires, and expectations is so important because you may uncover information that you didn't have before. The other thing to think about is compatibility. Sometimes we just outgrow relationships. Sometimes our personal values change. Um, We are always expanding. That's the nature of the universe. Some people are trying to go against the nature of the universe. You're expanding, they're not. You're progressing, they're not progressing, or they're not progressing as quickly as you are. Have you moved beyond that organization in terms of compatibility? Does it still align with your long-term goals, your values, and your desires? If the gap is too wide, it may be a sign that this isn't a suitable place for you in the long term. It's possible that the ways they are changing, sometimes leadership changes, and now you have a completely different relationship with your work life because there's been a leadership change, a manager change, and your new manager is a micromanager compared to your old manager who gave you so much autonomy. Now suddenly your relationship with your workplace has changed. It's important to understand that. And if those changes, policies, whatever it is that feels misaligned or that you disagree with, It's important to understand if living with that is sustainable. It might not be, and that's okay. You might grieve over that for a minute. I totally get that. When someone leaves your team, yeah, you grieve a little bit, but don't indulge in that. If the gap is too wide and you figured out, wow, I don't think I can stay here, you have awareness of it now. And now you can decide what you want to do about it. The last thing I want to talk about is sometimes change only happens when someone has the courage to stand up and be heard, not just about their own needs, wants, desires, and expectations, but about the needs, desires, and expectations of the larger group. Because you 
as that change agent, have a vision of a bigger purpose, of a way more people could be happy at work, of policies and opportunities that in your mind, it's so, so clear how it would be beneficial to everyone. You are trying to influence without authority. This isn't just an individual contributor challenge. If you're in middle management, man, I feel for you. I spent a whole lot of my career, almost all of it, in middle management. And I get it. You are squeezed. You may agree 100% with the desires, needs, wants, and expectations of your team, but you have a limited capacity to influence executive leadership to execute change. So I understand how challenging it can be. But listen, if you are the person who is a change agent, if you're the person who exposes wrongs or champions innovations, then I say yay. And I I would also offer you this. Ask yourself, what is my path of least resistance in this situation? Does accepting misalignment kind of grate you? Does it feel like you're resisting some other desire? Maybe the path of least resistance is speaking up, creating change, being a voice for other people. Pay attention to what is going on inside of you. Simply put, if going with the flow and accepting misalignment for a time feels good, it doesn't feel like resistance, then that's probably the way you want to go. If speaking up and standing up and being a change agent feels good to you, and it doesn't feel like resistance, then that's a great indication that that's the right move for you. So this combination of the practical things I've just shared with you and really being in tune with you and what feels like the forward movement, the path of least resistance is such a great indicator, a great clue for deciding how you deal with mismatched expectations, with misalignments, with workplace disagreement. The path of least resistance is also the path to expansion and possibility. You disagree with the policy, disagree with the direction the company is going, and I think we've all been there at some point, then use these principles. Give yourself equal airtime so that at least you can be at neutral and start thinking more clearly. Understand if you have operating manuals, desires, expectations, understand what they are, figure out what's important to you, and then be open about it. Align your expectations. Look for the matches between you and the organization parallel your expectations. Sometimes that means aligning yourself with what the company is capable of delivering is more important to you at that moment in time. And then of course, if your path of least resistance is to stand up and 
call for change, then I've got to believe there's possibility for you within that. Maybe not in the company that you're in, but those ideals, those desires, those wants for the larger community, there's a place for you that appreciates those values. So go look for that place. All right, my friends, don't let workplace misalignments throw you off your game. You've got this. I'll talk to you next time. If you like this podcast, I invite you to visit the Love Your Work Life website at elisashuck-careercoach.com. On the site, you'll find all the information you need to work with me one-on-one, as well as get access to my courses, Job Search Field Guide, and The Art of Stellar Interviews. I can't wait to help. I look forward to seeing you there.